0: inspiring you to reach your goals and live your dream and live
1: your dream. This is the Keaton Nelson show. Alrighty, guys, welcome back for another episode of the Keaton Nelson show. Uh, I've got a really special treat for you today. Steph Tuss is on here. I'm super excited to interview her. Steph, thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah. So I love just to get started off. Like where are you from? How'd you grow up? Because I think it's really cool to see um the transformation all the guests that I've had on have so did you grow up like rich poor middle class um middle of nowhere city what was it like
0: so i grew up in a small mid- midwestern city um my parents um my dad was a factory worker so he worked at the local general motors plant and my mom was the credit manager at the local hospital meaning she was the person that had to call everybody and say hey you have a bill that's past due so super fun Um, So I would say I grew up middle class, the lower middle class, Um, no entrepreneurs in my family other than my grandparents were dairy farmers. And I guess that would qualify sort of as small business, Um, but had no no background in in business whatsoever. Um, My plan was to go to college. I was the first in my family and both sides to get my college education Um, and my whole goal was to become a teacher and teach for 30 years and retire like all the other teachers I knew, um, and live off my retirement plan. That was, that was the goal as a, as an 18 year old stuff.
1: Gotcha. Um, tell me about where, where are you at today? What's life like now?
0: So, so I think it's important to kind of, to, I want to showcase like, where I was to where I am now, because I really think it highlights possibility for a lot of people because um, I am an accident. I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Um, this wasn't my plan. I never set out to be a business owner. I certainly never set out to be a CEO. Currently, I'm um, CEO of Life Is Now. We are a global coaching and consulting company for small business owners. Um, we work with people all over the world. Uh, we have a team of about 12 and um, we're, we're moving and shaking in the entrepreneurial world. Never could have imagined that I would be here, but I did go to college. I did graduate from college. I did get my first teaching job, um, which took me far away from home. I'm from Wisconsin, which was in the Midwest, to LA County, Los Angeles, to a small desert town, Um, kind of a rough, uh, rough neighborhood experience, and set up shop as a teacher. By year two, I realized there was no way in hell I could teach for 30 years, um, but I didn't think that I had any options. So I felt in year two, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? So I leaned in further. I became the president of my teacher's association at the ripe age of 25, because I figured if I could change some of the things with what I was dealing with, I might, I might fall back in love with it. Um, Right. Like, you know, the serenity prayer change the things he can and accept the things he can't. So I went with changing the things that I could. Um, and in the process, got married. I actually married um my husband taught across the hall from me. So we're both educators. Um, we got married and had our first child, and that's where my kind of um step into entrepreneurialism came from. Um, gave birth to our first child. I was 26, and she was born really sick. So um, doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. Nobody knew what was going on. She had failure to thrive. As a young mom, I literally thought I was murdering my own child because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And the doctors told me that they wanted to do invasive exploratory surgery at three weeks old. And something inside of me just sent alarm bells off. So I went on my own journey into research. Um, This was my oldest is now 22 years old. So this was 20. 22 years ago, um, where it wasn't as much accepted to look outside of traditional medicine for answers. And I contacted Chinese herbalists and acupuncturists and all the people on the quote unquote fringe at that time looking for alternative therapies and help. Stumbled across someone who just said to me, look, change your diet. She's you're you're nursing her. Maybe it's something you're eating. I changed my diet and all of her symptoms went away. And for me at the time, I was teaching fifth grade social studies, math and science. And I thought, this is insane. Other people could be experiencing this same thing and not know about it. So I wanted to teach this instead of teaching kids math, science and social studies. So I went back to school, got my master's degree while I was teaching full time, um, got my master's degree in holistic nutrition, and then made the jump from teaching to my own practice without knowing anything about business so much so that my principal, when I told her that I wasn't coming back next year said to me that they would hold the position for me. Um, so I had something to come back to when the business didn't take off. Right. Which in my mind, I'm like, no way. in hell am I coming back here if the business doesn't take off? So I built my business from the ground up and I think I did so well because I didn't know that I shouldn't have been able to grow the business. Like I, like I did, you know, sometimes sometimes, Sometimes when you know too much, it actually impedes your growth. And I was just so passionate about what I was, what I was doing, helping people get healthy through nutrition and 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 solving health issues um, by looking at alternative therapies. And, and again, this was, you know, this 20 years ago. So it wasn't there wasn't a lot of people out there doing that. Um, so I kind of had the a corner on the market and I grew really, really rapidly. Um, within two years, I was working with um Professional sports athletes. And also, I was a nutritionist for a collegiate baseball team. And then I grew to the point where I couldn't grow anymore. And it caused me to hire my first coach, my first business coach, who is now my business partner. So, in the process of that, I realized I was more in love with business and the strategy behind business and less in love with teaching people how to be healthy. And I sold my business and contacted my now business partner and said, Hey, I want to come and work alongside you and and build something pretty incredible, helping other entrepreneurs build their business. And that was 15 years ago, and I've been CEO for six. So that's I just learned by doing the whole way. So anyone listening to this, if you're thinking about starting a business, you don't have to have a background. You just need to say yes and continue to to learn the things necessary for you to be successful. So that's my kind of origin story, how I showed up um, in the role that I'm at right now. And like I said, you would have asked me this you know, 15 years ago, if I could see where I would be in 15 years, there's no way in hell I would have been able to predict that I'm where I am right now.
1: Yeah, that is incredible. Um, tell me about how you're serving entrepreneurs now, and what makes you guys different than everyone else?
0: So we're currently serving entrepreneurs in in three basic ways. So my business partner, David Nagle, is a mindset coach. He's prolific at mindset. And he really, he really helps people figure out the why things are happening in, in, in their business. So all of your results are a reflection of who you're being and the decisions that you're making. So a lot of this has to do with mindset and a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs were born into middle-class middle-class comes with its own mindset, which is very different than an entrepreneurial mindset. So he helps with the identity upgrade from the middle-class mindset to the entrepreneurial mindset, right? Cause middle-class is really built on security because you've got a set income. You've got to create a life around that. Entrepreneurial mindset is really about risk and growth, which is the exact opposite of, of the middle-class mindset. And then I come in with the the how. So I'm the behind-the-scenes tactical person, the, the team management, ops management, marketing, um, sales, and help them tactically build their business. And most of the time, when we can get them out of their own way, From a mindset perspective, they're then able to implement the the tactics to allow them to grow their business.
1: Gotcha. Um, what kind of problems are, uh, I want to think like tactically, you said marketing sales and all these different things, like what, what's like the most common thing that you're seeing the people you help come up against?
0: Totally. Most people start coming to us because they're really unhappy. Um, they've built a business based on hustle. They love to be in control. They have, they have an aversion to getting help and asking for support. So we see business owners that are generally at the one or $2 million mark, and they've done it pretty much by themselves, or maybe with one key employee. And in order for them to grow and scale, they have to, they have to stop being the bottleneck, which requires a different way of thinking about who you are in your business, a lot of us as business owners have, have our value tied into what we do and how hard we work, especially, again, grew up in a middle class mindset, right? Like, I mean, that's where I grew up. So I, I know this mindset very well, where it's like, if you can do something yourself, why would you hire someone else to do it for you? Mm-hmm. But when you're growing your business, you have to assign a value to your time. Meaning your highest value for your time is in business development, relationship development, and probably sales. If you're the business owner and you're doing anything other than that, you're actually costing your business money. The idea is that you need to hire help to do the things that are a lower dollar value so that you can focus on the high dollar things that actually bring in business and make the business money and expand your level of exposure so that you continually have leads coming in. Um, so one of the biggest problems we have um, that people that we work with have is, is not just necessarily tactical, but it's how to get themselves out of the, out of their way of the growth of their business because they don't like to give up control. They've had bad experiences with trust in the past. They have a lot of pride wrapped up in their business. So they're worried about delegating to someone that might ruin, ruin their reputation or steal from them. I mean, the excuses right. run the gamut of why they need to do all this themselves. And they don't see how they don't see how they can hire help. They have a discomfort with actually receiving support because they've always been the doer.
1: Gotcha. So what's the first person that you or first department that you're trying to fill when replacing the entrepreneur?
0: Oh, that's an easy question to answer. (laughs) And it's the one that most entrepreneurs resist the most. And that is, Every founder, every business owner should have an executive assistant. So if you're managing your own inbox, if you're managing your own calendar, if you're booking your own travel, you are stealing from your company. Because those are tasks that you could pay someone $12, $15, $20 an hour to do where your time should be worth $100, $150, $200 minimum an hour. So by you continuing to do those tasks, you are not freeing up your time to focus on the things that can bring you in the most money. And it's one of the positions that people resist doing the most. They'd rather hire someone for sales or marketing before hiring an assistant, but the assistant is actually the person that frees them up enough so that they can build capital to make the additional hires. So true. Uh... Right. I mean, so a common, a common, like this is, Pretty well known. A common equation is: take how much money you make from your business and divide it by two thousand. That's your hourly rate. If you would pay someone, if you wouldn't pay someone at that hourly rate to do some of the things you're doing, you should not be doing them. So, if your hourly rate is hundred dollars, would you pay someone a hundred dollars to manage your inbox? Would you pay someone hundred dollars an hour to book your travel? No. Right. So that's a key indicator that those things should be delegated and offloaded to someone else.
1: Okay. Uh, What's the the next person then? So we got our inbox covered, our scheduling, all the admin stuff is is being taken care of for the most part. What's the next part?
0: So it really depends on the type of business you're in. So if you are in a service-based business, which most of our clients are service-based, they're attorneys, they're marketing agencies, they provide some kind of service based on knowledge your next hire should be program support or client support so that you're not the one stuck in fulfilling the things that you sell so if you're if you're let's say you're a law firm owner if you're an attorney your next hire should be another attorney so that they can you can remove that from your plate so you can continue growing the business because you'll get bogged down in the fulfillment you'll get bogged down in the doing so it's first the administrative assistant and then it's client support fulfillment whatever that position is based on on your business and after that it should be marketing And after that it should be sales And after that it should be operations so like as you're it's like you're taking if you look at this and you assign a dollar sign to each of those roles assistance the cheapest the product fulfillment completely opens up your time and also brings in money because if you're an attorney, you hire a second attorney, you're you've got you you' you have the ability to bring in more income. Then you go to marketing, which is high value, taking that off your plate. Now you've got someone marketing and creating the flywheel for your business. You're still doing sales because that's really important. Then you delegate sales and then you delegate the actual operation. So each step you're taking something else off your plate in the order of the value that it is to the organization.
1: Steph coming on in the podcast, laying down the blueprint for you guys. This is awesome. <laughs> Love it. Um, so now the question that comes to mind for me is, and probably for all the listeners is if they own a business, how do I know I'm ready for each of those hires?
0: So as soon as you're thinking that you might need to hire, you're already past the time when you should have hired. Um, if you ask, and the survey's been done, I can't I can't quote the study. I wish I had it in front of me because I like to quote studies that I- will just I, paraphrase
1: uh, it, we'll, we'll take you.
0: Yeah, the paraphrase is that they surveyed 800 of the top companies about when the best time to hire is. And 98% of them said, before you need to. It's better to hire early than it's better than it is to hire late, um, and there's a number of reasons for that.
1: A lot of reasons. So for it. Let's
0: say you're let's say you're building your business and it's just you. You're doing all the things in your business, and you're feeling you start to feel overwhelmed, which is usually the first sign, right? What happens when you start to feel overwhelmed is that you begin to repel additional sales, additional clients, because you can't, you don't want to anymore. You're tired, and you become resentful of the people that you're you're selling in. You still need money, but you're like, I I don't like this feeling. I don't like being overwhelmed. It's taking time from my family. I feel guilty because I'm not spending time with my family. Or if I am, I'm like on the side, checking my email on my phone when I should be spending quality time with my kids. Um, And you actually stop your business. You actually, you throttle it, right? You're like, time out. Like, I don't like this feeling. Mm. So before you get to that feeling is when you should hire your assistant, because when you're already overwhelmed, the thought of hiring an assistant, all you see is more time added to your calendar to train the person and hire the person and put the ad out. You want to do it before you get to that overwhelm point so that you can be really clear as to who you want. And you're not just looking for someone to relieve the pressure, because if you're just looking for someone to relieve the pressure, you'll hire anyone with a heartbeat and they will be the wrong person for your business.
1: Yeah. So true.
0: Right. So I know from experience, (laughs) you know, a good question to ask yourself, honestly, is if I were to double my business, what would break? Mm. That will tell you the things that you need to do now so that when you get to that point in doubling your business, you won't be at that break point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, Is there any revenue marks that you have in mind? Like Very loosely, of course.
0: No, I mean, look. Even if you're only making thirty thousand dollars a year, and you're selling like something low dollar, it's it's in your best interest to hire a six dollar an hour virtual assistant offshore and take some of those things off your plate so you can continue to build. There, there's there is a diminishing what is it called? Diminishing point of return to your time, right? Even if you're only making thirty thousand dollars a year, you really shouldn't be doing the low the load. And you can find great virtual assistants for right. six out. Like there's no excuse not to people. have some kind of an assistant take that stuff off your plate before you make your first hire.
1: Mm. Very cool. Do you see, let's take it like a marketing agency, for example. Um, You see any struggles or big bottlenecks that keep them from getting from six, mid six figures a year to seven figures a year? 100%.
0: Yeah. So two barriers. One is a big mindset barrier. So there's there needs. What's to What's the limiting a belief? The limiting. Uh, so it's really about who they're being, right? So if they're at six figures, they're probably maxed out doing everything themselves. What they can, what they can do. Maybe they've allowed an assistant. Maybe they've got a graphic designer, or something that they can outsource to, you know, someone they found on Thumbtack or Fiber or something, right? So they're, they've got some a little bit of additional help. But their value is tied up into them doing the work themselves. And they're also working with clients and promising client-specific results. So it would be very uncomfortable for them to sell the program and then offload it to someone else to, to fulfill it. So there's a real mindset issue about letting go of control in that instance and trusting someone else to do as good of a job as you taking care of your clients so it's really a big control issue at that point and that control issue pops up like it pops up everywhere at every level at every level of business because for you to grow your business you constantly have to be letting go of things and it's very uncomfortable
1: this is awesome very cool uh, i'm going through a lot of this stuff right now personally um i had no problem hiring a team but what i did was i hired um i thought i could do the ray crock model and hire inexpensive work and divide up the tasks with systems op- operations but you cannot do that with high level marketing no it's impossible um so uh now i'm i'm uh i'm literally in the process of uh hiring someone i might have to wait to send this to my team um but anyways i'm i'm hiring um someone in with a much larger salary but i'm literally looking for someone who's going to be better than me at. That's
0: what you want to do. That's exactly what you want to do. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room. And here's the truth. Like, honestly, you hire one A player and they will do the work of two B players or three C players. Yeah. So you'll pay more for that A player. But in the end, it saves you a ton of money and yeah. a lot of energy and headache.
1: Yeah, seriously. I, I I can't tell you how much I wish I did this sooner. You know, the issue was is that I, I hired someone actually before I needed them, which was a great decision in the beginning, but I hired someone and then I taught them everything along the way. And then they were really prepared and and really pretty well suited for the most part. There were were some holes here and there. They certainly weren't better than me because they learned everything from me. Um, And then they left three years later. And then I'm like, Oh my God, what do I do here? And I tried to keep with the team that I had. And I'm like, this is, this is not going to work. I lost half my business in like four months. It was like, whoa, what happened here? Okay, let me see. The quality of the work (laughs) is what happened here. Um, But I'm super excited because I know when I find this person, I'm going to go so hard on marketing, so hard on sales, and continue to just team develop and and hire uh, more people like them to be able to scale the company. And like you said, um, then hire someone to do my marketing, then hire someone to do the sales. It's brilliant. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And it's things I wish I knew three years ago because it would have saved me. And I would have scaled so much faster, it's insane. So, so, so much faster.
0: If you just um, follow that, like it's a gradual letting go of each yeah. of these rules and handing them off in the right order that allows you to grow, that allows your business to grow.
1: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I wish I did it. And I, I've been interviewing people and I'm like, wow, this is perfect. Like they're, they're gonna crush it. I just know it. I like I've, I've got this like rubric, I'm scaling them all out and yeah, it's so, so, so cool and it's exciting. And it's cool that there's people like you that can save someone 3 years of of headache and stress.
0: Yeah, that's what we hope. That's what we that's honestly what we hope. Like leverage our leverage our mistakes, the mistakes that we made so that you don't have to make those same mistakes. Like everything that we teach are things that I've learned myself because right. I was never trained on how to be a CEO. I was never trained on how to run a business. This has all been over the course of you know the last 15 years where i've learned by trial and fail trial and error and also learning and leveraging from everyone else's experience as well wow. and it it 100% works like it just it's it's a natural progression as long as you don't let your own resistance get in the way
1: yeah i really don't have much of a problem letting go like as far as like of the control and everything i don't have i i have a problem when i look back and there's like clients are upset and there's mistakes and errors and stuff like that. When it's clear that someone's not doing the job well or putting the care into it. Um, but I have no problem giving someone who's better than me or just as good as me or slightly but like you, you got it. You yep. go. For it. You can be Great. smart. You can come up with product offerings, services and stuff. I don't care. Um, whatever's going to get the results for the clients, you know? That's
0: what you want. Yep.
1: Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, Steph, what is... So I'm sorry, I think I've cut you off the answer to the question. so it was number one mindset keeps uh, marketing agencies from um six to seven figures a year. What's the second part?
0: Honestly, this is my opinion and what I've witnessed, both in our own business and in the business owners that we've worked with. It's lack of vision. So exactly. if you don't have when you're going to when you're going to seven figures or eight figures, you're really pushing yourself. I mean, you really, look, there's no no faster path to personal growth than being a business owner because you're constantly bumping up against your own stuff every single day, right? So it really, if you lack vision for where you go, then you, your team lacks focus for what's important. So we start all of our business owners with a very clear vision activity. And basically it's based on Cameron Harold's book, Vivid Vision, which is a great resource for anyone. And the, the premise of it is that as a business owner, you really need to have a 3D world of what you want your business to look like in three years. And three years is important. Five years is too much. One year is too little. Three years. And what you need to do is pretend you're getting into a time machine and you're setting the date for April 20, whatever today is. I don't even know what today is. 2026, because it's 2023 right now. That's mental math right there. So you step into the time machine, you step out, and you're in your business three years as if it's happening today. And you go through each of the areas of your business and you write down what you see, what you feel, what you experience. So, what's the culture? What's the vibe? What's the environment? What's happening with sales? What's happening with marketing? What's happening with client support? What are clients saying about you? How are you making money? What, what are you, what's your curriculum? What are you designing? And you get this like incredible 3D vision that you didn't even know that you had, but was there the whole time. And then you put that into words. So you put that into inspirational words and you share that with your team. Now, why is this important? Because A players need to want to work for something. They're not there to get, to get a paycheck and to check things off a list. They want to be a part of something. They want to grow something. They want to see that what they do matters. So if you present this vision to them, it should inspire them. It should give them a reason why they do the things that they do. And your team is going to come across obstacles as you go from six six figures to seven and then beyond. So you want to make sure that they're really clear on why they're doing what they're doing and they know how they can help you reach that vision. So everyone's on the same bus. Everyone's going the same direction. Everyone's going to end up at the same place. And why is that so important? Because without a vision, you run a reactionary business. You're constantly reacting to every single thing around you. This upset client here, this possible opportunity here, this new marketing strategy here, this new sales strategy here. And you don't have that North Star to say, wait, is this in alignment with our vision? Is this not in alignment with our vision? And are we doing something every single day to take us closer to the vision? And I really think that a lot of business owners miss the mark by not creating that vision and not sharing it with their team, um, because there's something to be said about a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Like everyone's everyone knows where they're going and why they're going there.
1: All right, everyone just stop, pause and rewind and rewatch and take notes, like... <laughs> so good i'm so happy that you're on the show there's an unexpected guest too this, this is amazing seriously like you guys should stop and take notes it's spot on Thank very you. very cool very very cool and you can tell like when people don't know what they're talking about it's very clear you know what you're talking about you or like it's for people there. who know what they're talking about they can tell when people don't know you know what i mean but i yeah it's very clear that you've gone through this many many times with many many people so very very cool um so with that being said, as a perfect segue for the question that I was going to ask, but I brought it back was what's what's um, I'm sorry, I'm going to mess up the company's name, but like what your company, what's the vision for you guys? Where are you guys going? What's your 3D world in three years from now?
0: Yeah, so we created our vision. We read it every single week as a team. So everyone is We're constantly looking at our vision. We're constantly saying, how are we doing here? What are we doing here? Um, in three years, and and here's the thing with the vision, there are no numbers attached, so it's not about a financial goal. Because to be honest, your team doesn't really care about a financial goal; it doesn't infe- it doesn't really affect them that much. They care more about what like what they want to be a part of. So for us, our three year vision is about how we're going to give back. So we want to create a program that um, fosters young entrepreneurs and also helps youths in need by creating experiences that get them out of the mindset that they're in. So we've got a really big push to give back to the community in terms of our youth, both entrepreneurially and just giving them new experiences to open their open their minds that, that there's something different and possible for them. Um, part of our vision is our sales team to build out a world-class sales team based in service so that we've got like silos of salespeople um, that our marketing is just seamlessly interwoven with our sales. We're really clear on who our ideal client is. And we turn away everybody who's not our ideal client because we want win-wins across the board. So it's really about like what we aspire to be, how we aspire to be, and, and who we're being. Um, we want a vibe that our office space is homey, yet professional and upscale. This is my actual office that reflects who we are as an organization. Um, and we're taking steps every single day to to work toward that vision. Now that doesn't mean that some pieces of the vision don't change because you you create your vision based upon what you know in the moment that you create your vision. And as you as you move toward it, new information may come in that might inform you saying, you know, maybe that's not exactly what we want. So you can you can shift and change your vision as you're as you're working through it as well. But our goal is to really empower leaders. Um, Our focus is on leaders of organizations because we know if we help those leaders that trickles down into their team and into their team's family, and we can create a huge impact that way.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I've got like some fun questions that I always ask everyone at the end. Um, So what are the top three character traits of a leader?
0: Top three character traits. Yes. So uh, I believe a leader needs to be vulnerable, first and foremost. So, if you want to build psychological safety with your team, you've got to show that you you're willing to be vulnerable with them. If you're not vulnerable, your team will never be innovative. Because if you're not vulnerable and highlight your own mistakes, they'll be afraid to make mistakes. So, vulnerability is key.
1: Okay, so that's what you mean by vulnerable. I'm not gonna go run and sit and cry in front of them because I'm stressed out. I'm gonna no, like- no. <laughs> vulnerability
0: is like, hey guys, I'm struggling with something. I need your help. Or, wow, I made this mistake. Here's the mistake I made. Here's why I made it. Here's what's going to happen to make sure I don't make that mistake again. So allowing yourself to, to, to sunshine the mistakes that you make gives your team permission to make mistakes as well, which means they're not terrified of making decisions, right? How many how many people listening to this podcast are suffer from decision fatigue? Every team member comes to them to make every decision right? And at the end of the day, you're like, I cannot believe I have to answer this question for the 50th time. (laughs) It's because you haven't developed psychological safety within your team. They're terrified to make the the wrong decision. So if you can show that it's okay to make mistakes, you'll notice that they'll they'll be more willing to make mistakes. And they won't. They won't make that big of mistakes. The second thing is you've got to be empowering. So vulnerable and empowering. Now, what does empowering look like? It means that when someone comes to you, With a problem instead of you feeling like you have to solve everything you say to them what do you suggest what do you think is in the best interest of the company rather than the compulsive reaction to to solve the problem for them so that's how you build that's how you build self-esteem in your team by letting them know that you trust them to come up with the solution that you don't have to be the smartest person come up with the solution right because then you get the decision fatigue Um, And I think the third trait is that you've got to you've got to really value growth. So your company can't outgrow you if you're not working on yourself and becoming better at what it is that you do or a better leader or a better decision maker. Then your company will stall out. So if you look at any great company, all of any all the great companies, all of the leaders are coached by someone, mentored by someone. They're constantly learning and growing um, themselves as a human being. I think those are the top three traits
1: yeah yeah, grab a notebook. if you're driving, stop this and go home and, and write it. write some stuff down. This is great. <laughs> uh, what's something that scares the crap out of you in a good way?
0: Something that scares the crap out of me in a good way um gosh, I think. I think I would be scared. Well, I do speaking, but I do speaking on kind of a smaller scale. I think if I got a speaking engagement that was in front of like 5,000 people, I would be like pooping my pants, honestly. That would scare me, but it would be the best kind of scare. It would be a huge growth opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I think I would I think I would do just fine. It's not that I don't have the confidence in my speaking ability. It would just be like, oh, this is a really big deal and I'm scared and what if I screw up? you know all the old old programming stuff that would pop into your mind.
1: Yeah. You, you guys teach Bob Proctor stuff, right?
0: David is a direct, um, David was a business partner of Bob Proctor's yeah, for yeah, many yeah. years. Um, so he learned a lot of what, what he teaches from Bob, Bob Proctor, but a lot of it is original as well.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, I was just going to say like, it's the stick man, the two, two different sides of the stick man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, anxiety and, and excitement are kind of the same emotion, just perspective. Yes. Um, You're going to talk to anyone dead or alive and ask them one question. What question would you ask them?
0: Talk to anyone dead or alive and ask them one question. Oh, man. I'm on the spot. I don't want to talk to anyone. I think it would be, so I'm a huge Maya Angelou fan, read all of her books. I think she's absolutely incredible. So I would definitely want to talk to her. And I'm thinking that my question would be something around, how did you get the courage to to be who you needed to be and do the things that you needed to do in the period of our time that all of this, like, that she did the things that she did? I think I would really like to know. I mean, I read a lot of her books, so I know a little bit, but like I want to go a little bit deeper into that with her.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what about what's the top three things on your bucket list?
0: I want to see the Grand Canyon. I've never seen the Grand Canyon. So, my husband and I own an Airstream camper and we travel all over the place. I work virtually a lot of the time because I'm a huge adventure seeker. So, wanna, I want to see the Grand Canyon. All of these are around travel, by the way. I want to see the grand Canyon. I want to rent a, um, a sailboat and sail with a captain in the British Virgin islands. It's a huge big goal of mine. Um, and the third one bucket list, I would say, I think I would want to speak in front of 5,000 or more people. I mean, that would be a bucket list item scares me. So maybe it should be a bucket list item.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, could do those this year
0: <laughs> well the Grand Canyon's on my list for this year just so you yeah. know I've been waiting a very long time
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's one book everyone should read
0: okay I the book the book that's impacted my life the most is a book called Trust by Ayanla Van Zandt. Um, it had a profound impact on who I am as a person and who I am as a leader and I would I read it four years ago um, it helped me understand how to deal with people, how to think about things, how to um, see things clearly without emotion. So much so that I actually had trust tattooed on my wrist. So I highly recommend the book Trust by Ayanla Van Zandt. I'm a voracious reader; I've got stacks of books everywhere. But if you were to ask me what what has been the most impactful one for me, it would be that one.
1: Yeah, uh, you know the knowing doing gap. I don't. Knowing doing it. you gotta go through TIR. I know you're not uh Bob Proctor consultants, but uh the second lesson is called the Knowing Doing Gap, and we just like know all the things we should do. It's not it's not a book, but we know all the things we should do, but we just don't do them. It's like you're yeah. on a diet, you know you shouldn't eat that piece of cake, but you just eat it anyway. Yep. Do it
0: anyway,
1: right. right? So I know I should download this book, so I'm gonna do it right now. It's it's Hernan Diaz. It's it
0: Ayanla Van Zandt.
1: Uh trust how do you spell last name? name first name Ayana?
0: Ayana I-Y A N L A.
1: Hmm. I'm gonna have to look that one up. It's not coming up on my books app.
0: It's in um it's on Amazon.
1: Okay. I'm gonna do it. Well, that's what I mean. The the no do nab. I know I should do it, so I'm just gonna do it like literally right now on the it's, podcast.
0: Because it sounds incredible. so good. It's incredible.
1: Um let me see. I'll ask you a question while I'm doing it. Oh, now this is a big question. Um, actually, before I go there, where can everyone go follow you, reach out to you? Because I'm sure people are going to want to after this episode. Um, what's the best way to reach out to you and, and follow you and get little nuggets like this here and there?
0: So two ways. If you want to connect with me personally, you can connect with me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram account is at Steph Tuss. That's with the ph, and I am the one that answers all my own DMs. I'm not like, there's nobody doing that for me. Um, you can also go to our website, which is lifeisnowinc.com for more information about how we help business owners and entrepreneurs. And I am a co-host to pretty successful podcast called the Successful Mind Podcast. So you can look us up on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, I don't know, all the platforms, um, thesuccessfulmindpodcast.com. And we do a uh, weekly podcast drops all on these topics.
1: Awesome! Very very cool. I just bought it. Boom! Eleven bucks. I feel like we'll nice. See. Yeah, not too bad. There you go. Easy peasy. Um, very very cool. Okay. This is the. the you thought I stumped you on other questions. This one's gonna be tougher.
0: All right, I'm ready. Right.
1: Uh, you gotta go back in time. You gotta talk to yourself at any age, right? What age are you going back to? Number one, but when you go back there, you can only tell yourself three sentences. What age are you going back to and what are the three sentences?
0: I'm going back to age eight. So I'm picking age eight because when I was eight, I was um, spending a summer on my grandparents farm and I was, I was kind of a bossy child. Like I, I showed, in my opinion, I showed leadership skills early. They were misdirected, but they were there. And I was bossy, and there was a moment where my grandmother, who I loved very much, I, I grew up in a very tumultuous childhood. My when I spent summers with my grandmother, I felt very safe, and I respected her a lot. And I was I was bossing my brother around, and she looked at me and she said, "Stop being bossy, the cow Steffi. Nobody likes a bossy girl." And it's it's like just engraved in my head. Because first of all, bossy the cow. Which they were dairy farmers. There's always a boss cow in the field telling all the cows what to do. So she wasn't commenting on my weight. She was saying, "Don't be that bossy, that bossy cow." But it shut me down. Like I stopped. I stopped taking charge. I stopped. Like I stopped being that bossy child because I didn't want to not be liked. Um, so the three things that I would tell myself is, "You're not bossy. You have leadership skills." focus on redirecting the bossiness into helping others. And I know that's a pretty advanced message for an 8-year-old, but I would go back and tell her that it wasn't a bad thing to be bossy. You just need to do it in the right way.
1: Yeah, one more sentence. I Are do that think- the last one. You, oh, you have to be it's not a bad thing to be bossy. You just have to do it in the right yes, way. Yes, it's not a bad okay. thing to well, be
0: bossy. You need to do it in the good. right way.
1: Yeah. That's really, really awesome. I got a six-year-old daughter, and she has a two-year-old brother, and she definitely exemplifies leadership skills. And yeah, I might use those three sentences. That's really, really awesome. Love that. Um, I just want to thank you. This is a great episode. Um, My pleasure. I was like, it's been so much fun. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna be. I we already rescheduled once, and then now I'm I'm at home. I'm like, I can't reschedule it again. So I'm glad that it all worked out. We got some great, great, um, great pieces of advice in here. I, I'm going to go back and rewatch this one myself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, if I can help in any other way, let me know. I'm happy. To. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Well, you and the uh, the viewers, like leave a rating, share this one out, post it on your social media. If this wasn't right for you for whatever reason. I don't know why it wouldn't be unless maybe you're like not an entrepreneur or a business owner. Send it to your brother, cousin, sister, mother who is. And um, until next time, peace.